G'day, and welcome to My Favourite Album. I'm journalist and filmmaker Jeremy Dillon, and each episode I'll be talking to a different guest about an album they love and how it's influenced and inspired them. Sometimes it's hard to sit and watch the grass grow. Sometimes it's hard. You My guest today has been described as sitting in the netherworld between Dolly Parton and Tom Waits. The LA-based Australian singer-songwriter wrote her first song at the age of 10, and her latest album, Lovers, Dreamers, Fighters, was recorded in Nashville and released just over a month ago. Lo Carmen, welcome to my favourite album. Thank you, Jeremy. Hi. So, Lo, um, (laughs) what is your favourite album? Well, today my favourite album is Jolene by Dolly Parton. Fantastic. I'm really excited to talk to you about this record because I love Dolly and no one has done one of her albums to date on the show. So let's start off where we normally start. This album came out in 1974. When did it reach your ears? How did you get into Dolly? Give me the backstory. Hmm. I guess I first heard Dolly with Here You Come Again. I remember that being a big, um, a big part of my childhood listening experience and I just always knew I loved her because of that song and when I was a young teenager I started haunting bargain record stores and buying all the cheap records which were generally country often female (laughs) they were always great covers and that's why I bought them and I think that's probably how I became such a passionate Dolly Parton fan because I ended up buying she's put out so many records. Jolene was, I believe, her 26th album. 26 including compilations. (laughs) But yeah, her 13th studio album at the ripe old age of 26. There's a lot of stuff to pick up in bargain bins, which is what I did. So what about Jolene specifically? Do you remember getting into this record? Yeah, look, I just, I mean, I played all of them, I guess, from the age of 14 to 17, I listened pretty much only to Dolly Parton, Loretta Lynn and Tammy Wynette, you know, much to the amusement of all of my friends who were all into goth bands and <laughs> Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and they just all thought that I was a complete freak for the music that I liked. But you've got to stay true to what you like. And in fact, when Dolly Parton toured Australia in 1986... I went to her concert dressed up as Dolly Parton by myself. Oh, my God. Are there <laughs> photos of this? I wish there were, but no, there weren't. But it was Dolly and Kenny. Uh, it was pretty great. And somebody did come up to me and say, Oh, my God, are you Dolly Parton's sis, 
and then kind of looked at me and went, no, you're not, obviously, and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I, I made a start. And tell me more about that gig. So um, was it like, did she do a set and he did a set and then they did some duets? Or? Yeah, he came out first and did a bunch of songs. He brought his son out to do a song, which was kind of cute, kind of hokey. And then Dolly came out and they did some together. And then I think Dolly ended it and Kenny came out for the encore. Right. This must have been like right in the middle of like the islands in the stream yeah, sort of period. Yeah, 86. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What kind of suit was Kenny wearing? You know what? I didn't really take much notice of Kenny. I was all about Dolly. <laughs> but funnily enough, I can't even remember what she was wearing. Just, just that she gave a really good concert. Mm. She managed to... Which is her particular charm. She manages to come across as so genuine and natural whilst giving an incredibly polished professional performance, which is quite a skill. You never feel like she's just putting it on, even when it's obviously so rehearsed and she tells the same jokes over and over, etc. But you just don't care. Yeah. Costs a lot of money to look this cheap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Words to live by. Yeah. I remember um, I, I was involved in one of her tours in Australia about eight years ago now. And so I went to one of the gigs and the way I kept describing it to people afterwards was like, it's the world's best Dolly Parton tribute show, but with the actual Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I can completely see how you would think that because it is like she, she lives up to everyone's expectations of her by being what they want and saying the things they want to hear and she knows what works. And I guess that brings me back to Jolene. What I love so much about this particular album is I think it's her least contrived album, the most natural. I think it's very, what's the word? It's just very, feels very personal, this album to me. Well, I think you're probably right about that. And if you look at when it came along in her career, she'd spent about seven years as a sort of junior duet partner for Porter Wagner, who was a much bigger star at the time and had a TV show that she was on. And there was an extent to which she was kind of his sidekick, sidekick for yeah. lack of a better word. And this was an album that she made at a time when she was kind of making a break from that and really striking out independently as a as a solo artist which is you know obviously what she'd always been dreaming of doing yeah and so this record is really representing who she was at the time sort of under her own auspices and not sort of the the dolly that porter wanted her to be standing next to him yeah and just even even the change lyrically i think from the albums that had come before you know she wrote all but two of the songs on there and they all just seem to come from a very kind of mature, sophisticated viewpoint, very um, just open and understanding about the world and not to mention the fact that it's got I Will Always Love You, Jolene, two massive hits on one little album considering that they um churning albums out back then. She put a, another one out in September, I think, after putting this out in March it was like each album really just yielded one hit, if you were lucky. And 
this one with both uh, I Will Always Love You and Jolene is unbelievable. I also really love Early Morning Breeze and Lonely Coming Down. They're both such great songs. And Lonely Coming Down was Porter. She'd cut a Porter Wagner tribute record earlier on in her career, which was literally called, I think, something like My Favourite Songwriter of All Time, Porter Wagner. Porter Wagner. Wagner. Who do you think came up with that title? (laughs) 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 Yeah. It's it's good to talk about Dolly as a songwriter because I feel like even though people sort of know as part of a list of things that she does that she is a songwriter the iconography of who Dolly is, people's image of... That's not the first thing they think of. Yeah, like people's yeah. image of her in her head, of her in their head, isn't her, like, sitting down at a piano or a guitar with a notebook, like, crossing no. out lyric ideas and stuff. It's true, but I think that that is one of the things that really attracted me to her young because she did write most of her own songs. And I just happened to read somewhere when I was a teenager that she would, when she was not on tour, which wasn't that often, when she was at home, that she would wake up at five in the morning and walk off into a field and sit down and write five songs before breakfast. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I hoped that I could grow up and be a songwriter like that. And I could never understand really why she wasn't hailed and heralded more as a songwriter. I think she has been more as as the years have gone on. But certainly when I discovered her, that was not really what people were talking about. Well, yeah. I mean, if you just look at the, you know, the two big songs from this record and how many times they've been recorded, Mm -hmm. like Jolene and I'll Always Love You have been recorded thousands of times. Thousands. By so many different people. I was going through a bit of a YouTube hole looking at versions of Jolene this morning. Oh, wow. Really? And there was... You know, and some of which I heard and some of which I, I hadn't. Mm-hmm. And there's like the White Stripes version. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a Olivia Newton-John disco version from the late 70s. Oh my God, I've never heard that. I'll be going down my own hole later. and I actually recorded a version when we were courting an extremely slow version oh, really? uh, as a as a duet that I think was quite an interesting take on it <laughs> oh yes is this version in, in accessible existence um, I could play it to you privately Jeremy but he said he would kill me if I ever played it to anybody so 
Okay, <laughs> listeners, use your imagination. We can. Well, there is actually a, a slow version of the song, which is not actually a cover. It's just you've probably heard this, but it's a, someone's slow very down. speeded it down. It's called Slow Ass Jolene. <laughs> Oh, and it sort of sounds like a guy singing it. Right. I no, I haven't. I'll play you that um, after. Actually, I'll play you that now. Yeah, go so on. So you can react to it on mic. <laughs> it was sort of slow ass Jolene. That's great. A few years ago. That sounds kind of like a character out of a Tony Joe White song, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like Pog Salad and yeah. Slow Ass Jolene. <laughs> It's got such a good slow groove, doesn't it? I like it better slow. I like everything better slow. Slow Carmen. Yeah. (laughs) Slowing. Wow. It's beautiful. Does it, I'm trying to. I keep trying to work out who the voice reminds me of at this speed. Because I feel like it does remind me of some like '70s singer songwriter, but I can't pick who it would be. It's interesting, isn't it? I've messed around a bit with slowing my own voice down, and um, weirdly, I sound like Noah Taylor when my voice is slowed down. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah. How does he feel about that? Uh, I don't know. Probably fine <laughs> yeah anyway but that, that <laughs> we so went down a hole didn't we we did we went down a jolene hole that's yeah, it tends to happen yeah yeah like and the, the song is so adaptable and i think which it's largely because of how simple it is like there's mm-hmm. only 200 words in well, the whole lyric dolly herself says the reason that she thinks it's so has done so well is because even a child can sing along Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. It's it's very catchy, you know, and repetitive. Yeah, and it's got that like that that groove underlying the whole like the that descending yeah. thing, yeah, and kind of a bit mystical too. The something about the way those chords jangle together. I don't know what they are, but it's like a a plea into the into the mystic. Hmm. And it's such a... It's funny. I think it's a really good example of a song where it, it's universal because there's a few specific details mm-hmm. in there. Like, it's not woman, 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 I'm begging of you, please. No, it's Joel. Like, there's a name attached to it. And it's not... And the imagery is so name. strong. Yeah. You, can, you can completely see who she's singing to. And what I also love is that it's like she's appealing to Jolene's you know, better instincts. It's such a mature way of dealing with this situation. She's actually going to the woman and saying, hey, please, you have to understand, I love this man. You could have anyone as opposed to stalking her or cutting his clothes up and throwing them out the window or any any of the crazy things that people traditionally do in a situation of crazy jealousy. She's actually just appealing to this woman's better instincts and I've been listening to lots of Dolly in the lead up to doing this and I noted that on one of the Porter Wagner albums she's got a song called I don't I don't want to throw rice I want to throw rocks and that's (laughs) that's fantastic that's another woman marrying her man and I just feel like she's really matured from that point (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I think both reactions are perfectly understandable. Oh, yeah, they're both valid, but there's something about the way she's appealing to Jolene that's so touching. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right. It's, like, mature and incredibly vulnerable at the same time. Yeah. There's no front to it. No, there's no that bitch or she's an idiot or she's a tart. It's just, I know you can take him, but please don't. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's not even... In the narrative of the song, it's not even explicit that Jolene's done anything to try and seduce the man. No, I think, I don't actually think Dolly's man is doing anything with Jolene. I think it's just that Jolene, my take on it, it's just that Jolene is a really big flirt and just enjoys kind of gathering people up and that Dolly's man is just very taken by her and drifting away from Dolly. She's just saying, please stop playing with him that's the impression i get are there people you've met in your life who you think like oh she's a jolene she's a jolene (laughs) i've never used it like that as a noun but yeah i guess i've met people like that people that just enjoy their own flirtatiousness and reeling people in but they don't really have any intention of pursuing a relationship there's jolene's everywhere there are (laughs) me i think there's male jolene's too oh yeah yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the other, obviously, big song on this record is I Will Always Love You. And I will always love you. I will always love you. Which I think probably there's still a vast number of people out there who have no idea that it's a Dolly Parton song. I think you're right. And, I mean, it's such a far superior version to to my ears. I mean, I love Whitney Houston. I think she's magnificent. But I I just think this much more vulnerable version is a lot more beautiful. When I was doing The Year My Voice Broke, when I was about 16, I used to listen to this song on repeat whenever I had to do a sad scene, if I had to cry... I would just sit there and blare it in my trailer until I had those tears coming down my face. Wow. Go, okay, I'm ready now. It's been a very motivating force for me, this song. That's really interesting. <laughs> so did you have to, like, if you did a lot of takes, did you have to run back to the trailer? No, and... no. Once, once I had the mood, I was all right. But, you know, normally I'm very chatty and giggly. But I just had to keep my head in that moment. I think, like, one of the reasons why it has that effect on people like this version particularly is because unlike the Whitney Houston version she's trying not to fall apart mm-hmm. and there's no histrionics yeah and especially in the verses she's just she's kind of the vibe is so much like okay this is hard just let me have this just let me just get this out and mm-hmm. I'm trying to be mature about this and and it's just and you can tell like feel how much effort she's putting into not breaking up yeah not being hysterical just doing what the right thing to do is because it's going to be better for everyone involved see it's very an album full of goodwill i think yeah as you were saying before like she has cut songs that are more vindictive yeah in the past before this record but the whole tone of this record even like there's the oh, i've got to watch the lyric to this can you pass me the book yeah a <laughs> little guidebook yeah I hate not having my record collection with me. It's all um, it's all in storage. I've had to re 
re-begin my record collection in America. I think it's when someone wants to leave. Like even on that song, it's just not like I hate this person because they want to leave, or you're an arsehole because you want to leave. It's just it's sad. That yeah, it's a sad situation. I must say, when someone wants to leave as bad as you want them to stay. When you love somebody with all your heart and soul, and you want to keep them with you, but you know they want to go. What do you do? What do you say when you know they want to leave as bad as you want them to stay? Yeah. Yeah. And then that's so often true of when... It's you, just very human. It's like there's, there's yeah. always going to be that situation. There's always going to be someone loving somebody more than somebody else. And it, it's almost like she's got a, this world overview of love on this album, that she's just seeing everything for what it is. Yeah. It's very satisfying on a superficial level to find when there are bad situations in life or something traumatic happens like you want people want someone to blame or they want there to be a villain mm-hmm. like or someone who's righteous and someone who's you know someone who's been wronged or i ran into a friend of mine in nashville a few weeks ago who had recently broken up with their partner and neither of them were at fault it was just like they, had, they were at a point where they had to either go, are we going to move this to the next level or are we just sort of running in place? Are we just going to move on? Yeah, and they, yeah. they decided to move on and they both felt like shit, but there was no, they couldn't... There was no nastiness. They, they didn't need to vent about each other. Or, yeah. Yeah, right. And sometimes that's even, that's harder because if you, if you go like, ah, oh, that arsehole, like he, you know, he cheated on me or like he, whatever. Yeah. But sometimes Taking the dolly sad. road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's ups and there's downs, but she, I mean, she certainly gets sadness on this as well, like Lonely Coming Down. I think that's one of the saddest songs I've ever heard. That can also make me cry. That's um, also so perfectly realised by the musicians on this one, I think. Just the way they play is so elegant and tearful. One of the session players on this record is my favourite named session player. Harold Pig. Robbins. <laughs> yeah. Hargis. Hargis. I was Robbins. thinking Harold. I, yeah. That's not right. Hargis. Yeah. Who yeah. also played on Blonde on Blonde and, you know, like countless other Countless records. albums. Yes. His yeah. name always stuck out to me too, going through album cover credits. That's one name that I'd always go, oh, there he is again. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, it's amazing. Like, well, this is an era... Well, I mean, it's still kind of true today, but it's an era when all these, you know, Nashville cats were just playing on, you know, every type of record from anyone who came yeah. through town or was putting a session That's together. That's right, running from session to session, four hours here, four hours there. And what I also find really inspiring about this album is that it was recorded so quickly, you know, it was only a few sessions. I think it was maybe six sessions over a few months, you know, with each session being two or three songs, which I guess was very normal then, not so normal now. But I've always liked to record like that. 
And so I, I always feel quite gratified when I find albums that I love that were recorded like that because it makes me think, yeah, that's the way to go. You don't need months in a bloody studio. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's a record of this kind of sonic nature because, you know, it's not like it's Sgt. Pepper or anything where you need to spend, like, months no. flying, finding horn sections no, and orchestras it's just, and it's, tape loops. It's, it's, it's simple stories, simple songs played beautifully. I think it's... Her voice sounds the best on this album it's ever sounded. The way it's mic'd, I don't know, it seems to catch all of the fullness of her voice, I think, in ways that other albums haven't. I think it's also her before she knew what Dolly Parton sounded like. Mm-hmm. And, as my, and I think she's made a lot of great records mm-hmm. in the, you know, the last 15, 20 years. And I still love listening to her voice as it is now, but I think now she knows what the character of Dolly she is does a little bit like. more. She's a little cuter now, I guess. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit more self awareness of you know that people love it when she does that little oh thing. <laughs> I can't do <laughs> yeah. it, but you know what I mean. Whereas in this album, she just she just sounds so straightforward, and her voice is just so naturally pretty and unaffected it's so unaffected that it's really affecting yeah and it's funny when she started out when she originally got a deal the label didn't want her to sing country songs because they thought her voice wasn't suited for it are you serious Which oh is my god wild, i never heard that that's amazing you can't think of like a voice that's more more suited to country yeah than dolly's voice that's crazy yeah wow that's very interesting yeah I just remembered also with I Will Always Love You. Did you hear that Elvis Presley wanted to record it and uh, she wouldn't give up the copyright on it? They wanted 50% of the publishing and she just refused. But I read that she drove away crying because she wanted to hear Elvis sing it so badly. She said she could just hear it in her head, but she knew that it was really important that she held on to her own copyright. So she had to let that opportunity go. Which is probably one of the smartest decisions she's made in her entire career, considering how many millions she must have made from it. Well, her quote from it is, and then when Whitney covered it, I made enough money to buy Graceland myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's wild that it's it's interesting to think of, there's like an alternate career for Elvis if Colonel Parker hadn't been pushing that. That's right, yeah, if he had just been able to follow his heart and follow... The songs that he thought were cool. Because he wanted to cut some Bob Dylan songs as well, and Dylan obviously wouldn't give up his yeah any of his share of um, his copyright either. So oh, imagine. And there's pro- there must be more examples that we don't know. I think about, there was a so. lot of Tony Joe. I mean, he did obviously do Poke Salad Annie and a few Tony Joe songs, but I think that there was a lot that he wanted to do, which you know just suits him so perfectly. Yeah. Elvis's poke salad Annie is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, imagine, you know, there was there would have probably been a an Elvis and Dolly duet at some point. And oh, imagine. Yeah. That would be so good. We got screwed out of a lot of good Elvis records. Yeah. <laughs> you should... Uh, oh, no, that's, that's, that's a hole. I'm not going to go down. <laughs> okay. We've, we've had enough holes for one, yeah. <laughs> one conversation. Behind me, and away I do run. 
So talk about the influence and the impact that Dolly's had on you, aside from, you know, when you were a kid getting into these records, but, you know, in more, you know, more recent years, you know, as you've been recording your own albums and writing all these songs and how has Dolly been an influence on you? I guess I've always loved the fact that she is so independent and business-minded. I attempt to be business-minded. I'm pretty terrible at it, but I certainly try very hard. (laughs) And I like the fact that she manages to combine this kind of mystical gift that she has for songwriting with being a smart businesswoman taking care of her own things. She's never been manufactured by anybody except herself. And I think that her savviness combined with her self-confidence in knowing what she's got to offer are very valuable lessons for anybody that wants to be a songwriter or or be in the music industry. Yeah, she is one of the, probably one of the smartest business people of any artists, especially in, in country music. Yeah, without being a bore. Yeah. Because you kind of associate the idea of being involved in the business side of things with being a a boring, greedy person for some reason, when really it just makes sense. You know, why leave that to some guy in a suit to take care of when you're a smart person and can do it yourself? Yeah, it's funny, like being semi-responsible and having an idea what to do with your money is like... Scoffed at. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's inauthentic in some way. Yeah, that you're not a real musician, that you should be, you know, stoned on the couch if you want to be a real musician. Real, yeah, real musicians are irresponsible coke addicts, and like if you're you're a sellout, if you understand how to keep some money together, so you're not broke when you're 48. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just you know, she's always been so kind and empathetic, which I think is a quality that I've always really admired as well. Have you ever been to Dollywood? No, I haven't. And weirdly, I don't really want to because I just feel like that is the most... I'm sure I'd have a ball if I did actually go. But it just feels like the most kind of condensed of all the contrived Dolly stuff, which is not what I like. I like her songwriter's heart. I like like the real Dolly. I don't like the playing on her history and the same stories told over and over I guess I just like to listen to her voice (laughs) so when you do listen to her voice now when you go back and you put Jolene on when you put the album on and listen to it these days what's it like and how has it changed from when you were a kid it hasn't that's the beauty of Dolly Parton it it hasn't changed the songs that I love I never tire of occasionally I might think oh I shouldn't listen to Dolly so much. But as soon as I put a song on, it's as fresh as ever. I mean, she's got a lot of terrible songs. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not a... um, (laughs) She's not really an album artist in some ways, you know. But those songs that she has that are so great just distill moments of time into some kind of dolly perfection i don't know it's like you go get lost in a little dolly vortex and (laughs) you can see everything perfectly through dolly glasses i don't really know how to put it (laughs) lo thanks for talking to me today about your favorite album thank you jeremy that was really fun
each step of the That's it for another episode of My Favourite Album. Thanks for listening. I've been Jeremy Dillon. You can follow me at Mr. Jeremy Dillon. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash myfavouritealbum. Subscribe on iTunes. And if you dig the show, please leave a review. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. We both know that I'm not what you need.